0: Coming up on today's show... December football is here and the cream is rising to the top. The Ravens are rolling, the Patriots are reeling, and the Browns are technically still alive. Adam Lefkoe joins the show to play over-unders, and we talk about our favorite pranks of all time. Dog check, run pass option, and saran wrap toilet seats. All of this and much, much more coming up on another College Football
1: Hall of Fame award-winning Tomahawk Show!
2: Joe and Hawk, congratulations on your 100th episode of the Tomahawk Show. It wouldn't be fair if we did not throw out a lot of these catchphrases that you men use. For instance, get your money's worth. You can't measure that with an abacus. Left him at the laundromat. Papa don't play that. I'm no cucumber scientist. But it'll be safe to say they're in a pickle. You know, you guys have done a tremendous job. You guys are doing some serious things on your show. Uh, We're very uh, proud to watch you men continue to move forward in your process as you take this show to a whole nother level. But people got to always remember Joe Hawk yourself as you continue to do it. Use these phrases as you continue to move forward.
0: Welcome everybody to the Tomahawk Show <laughs> that is forever our Cleveland Browns coach here on the Tomahawk Show. Man, I am your host, Andrew Hawkins, joined as always by my guy, <laughs> Joe Thomas, and a special guest appearance from Hugh Jackson, everybody. Joe, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great, man. I'm actually in New York City this week. It's the College Football Hall of
1: Fame induction, wow. uh, which takes place tomorrow down in Midtown. I, I kind of thought you'd be in this class being that you're the greatest player in uh, MAC history, but maybe they'll get you in voted next year. I know your boy Troy Polamalu, Vince Young, those are uh, Patrick Willis, a couple guys that are going in with me. The Goodyear blimp, of course. Yeah. The great Goodyear blimp. Uh, But next year maybe, next year maybe that'll be Andrew Hawkins' year. So we'll get the voting and get the fan momentum started right now.
0: They they said the only thing I was missing from my resume was an all-decade team, and I recently made the Cleveland Browns all-decade team. So... (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm I'm probably a 2020 guy, you're right, uh, but I'm actually gonna come in person and I'm just gonna lobby yeah. myself. I'm gonna come with a PowerPoint presentation a la Kyle Shanahan drink, and I'm just gonna convince uh, college football to yeah. let me into the Hall of Fame. So we'll see how it goes. Big congratulations to you, Joe, on your 57th Hall of mm-hmm. Fame, that's awesome. It wouldn't be a Monday if you mm-hmm. weren't being inducted into something. Everybody listening, <laughs> if you want to interact with the show, hit us up on social media at Tomahawk Show. Join a Facebook group, Flock. Hit our voicemail lineup and drop us a message, a la Hugh Jackson, at 440-628-1376. We got to give a big shout out to Brown Superfan, who made that happen to the, the, the Hugh Jackson voicemail. You got to love the Flock doing our content for us. Let us know your address. We will Venmo you. Nothing. Um, no video show this episode but that's fine because you can hear us. We got an awesome show. We got Adam Lefco of Bleacher Report joining in. Bleacher Report, not Bleacher Report. We got dog check. We got am I tripping? We got run pass option, the usual. But before we get into anything, we need to let you know about our favorite sponsor for this episode. Visit omaxhealth.com and enter code tomahawk to get 20% off. Listen, we are pro athletes. You may not be. You're just a weekend warrior. I don't even want to say just because a weekend warrior is better than a pro athlete in my eyes. Regardless, both of us deal with aches and pains, and it is the worst. I've been trying to find a natural remedy that instantly works, but it seems like it's impossible because most over-the-counter pain relievers only focus on one basic cooling effect, and it only temporarily takes my mind off the pain until it comes right back. If you're looking to get rid of nagging muscle and
1: joint pain immediately while providing long-lasting recovery, then you need to try the natural breakthrough pain relief solution cryo Freeze CBD developed by Omax Health. This non-prescription triple action pain relief roll-on is specifically formulated to block pain receptors, reduce inflammation, and improve muscle and joint flexibility. The best part is this 100% natural CBD powered remedy works its magic within 10 minutes of application and relief lasts up to eight hours
0: much longer than over-the-counter products. Here's where the perks come in for the Tomaflock. Omax Health is offering our listeners 20% off a full bottle of CryoFreeze pain relief roll-on, plus free shipping. That means you don't got to pay, and me and Joe don't have to deliver it personally. Everybody wins. The discount, it also applies to anything on the site. So make sure you go there, put in Tomahawk to take advantage of these incredible savings at OmaxHealth.com. Don't trip. Don't let muscle soreness
1: stop you from living an active lifestyle. Go to OmaxHealth.com. Enter code
0: Tomahawk and feel relief faster. It is time now for a new and improved edition of Tama Headlines.
2: This is a special report from
3: Tama Headlines.
0: John, take it away.
4: 49ers defeat Saints in epic instant classic
0: yeah man I, I i this was a very very good game and early on it reminded me of the chiefs and rams game from a year ago because was, these were supposed to be two of the top defenses in the league and in the first half they couldn't stop each other for shit and what happens with good defenses is in the second half they play better because they make adjustments and that's exactly what happened man it was a juggernaut of a game back-to-back game for the niners um, for them to bounce back from the ravens game and go down to new orleans and take this to uh, the literal last second of the game, that was just super impressive win, man. The 49ers are definitely the best team in the NFC.
1: This game destroyed my ego uh, because on Thursday Night Football, we had a question about who is your team to beat in the NFC, and not smartly on my part. Instead of going with the Kyle Shanahan drink, San Francisco 49ers, which I should have. Yep. I went with the New Orleans Saints because I said, you know what, they're in perfect position. Nobody's talking about them. Everybody wants to talk about Baltimore and the exciting things that are happening in San Francisco and Russell Wilson in Seattle. I said, you know what, the, the Saints are in a perfect position. Drew Brees is playing great football. This defense is as good as Drew Brees may have ever had. This defensive line is wrecking shop. Tom O'Flock member Cam Jordan is having an unbelievable lights-out season. He has a chance to maybe break... The single season sack record. I just think this is the most complete Saints team ever, and they're going to fly under the radar. They're probably going to get the first seed in the NFC, and they do not lose uh, in the Superdome unless the refs fix the game and oh, don't wow. call pass interference at the end. But, uh, I still believe, even though they lost to the 49ers, that they are the team to beat in the NFC. The 49ers have a tougher road to finish the season versus the Saints. And so I think the Saints are going to be able to recover and still get that first seed. But uh, the 49ers really showed they've got some amazing resilience. And I think really this points back to Kyle Shanahan. He's a fantastic coach. He's a great motivator. He gets guys to play for him because – they like him first of all but also because he's such a smart football mind and those players know that he's going to put them in the position to succeed and that's one of the things I think that fans don't talk a lot about when they talk about a head coach like how does a head coach motivate a player a lot of times most fans think it's the um, Pete Carroll version where it's rah-rah it's come in with some type of motivating uh, attaboy win one for the Gipper speech but no To me, I think the coaches that I played for that were always the most motivating were the ones that showed me how hard they were working and how smart they were and they were gonna put us in a position to succeed. Because as a professional, understanding that this is my job, this is my livelihood, all I want from my coach to get the most out of me is to know that they're going to give us the best chance to, to succeed. And that's what Kyle Shanahan does. And that's why you see the 49ers doing great things this year, being able to go down and beat the Saints in their own stadium. That was really impressive.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're right about Kyle, because now that I think about it, there weren't a lot of coaches, I mean, that you play with. And, we, you know, we play with a ton of coaches, but Kyle was one of those coaches that you never felt like you knew more than. Right. Like there was there's always and Okay, what coach it is. There's nope. always something you feel like, oh, well, they don't know this because they haven't seen this or done this or they haven't been in this position. Cal is a guy that you always say, oh, well, he knows what he's talking about because he'll give you the, the background and the system and where it comes from and why and how it works. And here's the big picture and why it makes you better and why it helps the team. And you're you never question that. Oh, OK, if he says to do it, that's the best reason to do it. And when you have someone like that. You know, you fall in line and, and you get the most out of it. Also, before we move on to the next one, John, I know you're waiting. But all the coordinators for the San Francisco 49ers should be prime head coaching candidates. From Mike McDaniel to Mike LaFleur to Robert Salah. All right, go ahead.
4: Chiefs beat Patriots 23-16 to in controversial Foxborough showdown. Joe, take it away.
1: Well, I, I think this just continues. The Patriots slide not look good for most of the game. They made a nice little... Uh, run towards the end of the game but um, I think the Chiefs are back I think it's it's official we can say that Patrick Mahomes had the little uh, band-aid on his knee earlier on in the season people kind of forgot about him they wrote him off they acted like the Chiefs weren't gonna be able to put together much down the stretch but the Chiefs have looked really good Patrick Mahomes is uh, looking like he's back to his old self and they might maybe be a team that could challenge Baltimore right now because they could probably score with him and it seems that the Chiefs defense is finally playing a little bit better Uh, but Tom Brady can you imagine how frustrated he's got to feel right now because yeah he might not be playing as well as he has in years past I think truly that Tom Brady is going to retire after this season and so he is putting everything he's got physically and emotionally into this season and the frustration just continues to build and he feels like this last season of his career is finally slipping away, and uh, losing the way they did at home for the first time in 21 games has got to really hurt.
0: There's there's so many different perspectives on this that I have that I can't even gather my thoughts. But number one is everyone's down in the Patriots. The fans booed them. They're going to finish the season 13 and three. Let that sink in, right? But you're right. There <laughs> there was a passing of the guard last night because he's he's lost to the other three top quarterbacks in the AFC. That's never happened, right? Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes. This is their conference. This is their league now. That's the reality of it. Like the, the, the Super Bowl no longer goes through New England. And you're right. I think people are starting to realize that. And I, mean, I, I for one, think it's pretty cool. I mean, even the Patriots as a, as a team, the way that they're constructed, and I've talked about this offline, is that they are very smart. When I went on my visit to New England, Right. You do your workout. And what's standard for New England is they take you in the back room and they have all of like they have like a 30 play, you know, kind of highlight tape of you. And they have they make you walk through it and talk them through what you're seeing, because they want to know that you're smart enough to play in New England. They want smart football players. So they're going to say, okay, on this slant. What did you see here? And they want to hear me say, well, I seen the DB was inside leverage and I understood it, the inside slot of a looky slant with a slant to the outside, I had to get in this inside shoulder. They disguised it as man-to-man, it was actually zoned. He vacated, the quarterback found me. I sat in that hole, I peppered it down so I wouldn't get blown up by the safety, but I also gave the quarterback an outlet and it resulted in a first down and a third and sixth. They want to hear you talk through that. So they say, okay, he thinks graduate level thinking. Well, the smartest people in society The wisest people in society, Joe, are old people. One thing that old people can't do well is move, okay? So the Patriots who are probably the oldest team in the NFL, yes, they're smart. Yes, their defense is great. Yes, their players are graduate level thinkers. When they play dynamic players like Deshaun Watson, like Lamar Jackson, like Patrick Mahomes, like Tyreek Hill, they struggle because these are young 22, 23, 24 year olds who are quarterbacks and receivers who are running Faster than we've ever seen these players play before. And it is hard for older, wiser teams who are in their 30s, players in the 29s, players with knee surgeries, players with shoulders who have a ton of experience but don't have enough of that young piss and vinegar, right, to be able to contend and keep up with these young guys. So I think that's the biggest thing that I've taken away from those three losses is that, and I predicted all three of them. Those are the only games throughout the season, all my picks, that I ever picked against the Patriots, and I was right every time with that same logic they are not young enough to contend with that kind of athleticism. All right, time now for a happy but also weirdly sad dog check.
2: Dog check.
4: Guys, the Browns won 27 to 19 over Cincinnati, but this is another win that left Browns players and fans with a bad taste in their mouths. Hawk, what would you see in this game?
0: Um, I think they played down to their opponent. They were, again, I mean and people keep like killing me because I keep saying the Browns are a good football team. They're not a good football team. They're a talented football team. They have talent. They have two number one running backs. They have two number one receivers. They have a first overall draft pick at quarterback. They have a shutdown corner. They're out without their best probably player on the team with Miles Garrett. But even still, they have a lot of pieces defensively. But that's not even the issue. The issue is the offense. And the offense is talented. And Joku is talented. So, no, they're not a good team, but they are a talented football team. And they are playing down to their opponents. The Bengals are not a talented football team. Hits the one and eleven record, right? Um, And when you're watching this game, it was close to the end. Yes, all games are close, but they are not reaching their potential. And that—that's my biggest issue with the Browns. And you know, some of that does fall on Baker Mayfield because he didn't play great. You know, and if it wasn't for Nick Chubb, if it wasn't for the Kareem Hunts that broke this game wide open, it might have gone differently. If it wasn't for an overturned. PI, a PI call on a, on a replay, the game might have gone differently. So that was that was my biggest takeaway from a game perspective. Um, It just doesn't seem that even though we're this far in the season, we, we still haven't come close to getting anywhere near where the team actually should be performing.
1: The Browns are a talented football group, but they don't play, and they don't sound like a talented football team. Right. You saw it multiple times throughout the season where they're just not playing as a team, and I think what happened after the game really highlights exactly why this is not a team right now, right? So Baker Mayfield goes to the podium and starts talking about another player, which is the first rule of media is don't talk about anybody but yourself. Right. The second rule of media is don't talk about injuries. So, he took the first and the second rule of what not to do with meeting with the media and he put them together and he violated both of them by talking about another player's injury that you probably don't really know a lot about. Yep. And then in doing so, he threw the medical staff of the Browns <laughs> under the bus. So, think about this the medical staff is hired by the GM and the ownership, who are your bosses. So, you threw the people that your bosses hired under the bus about an injury to a teammate that you probably really don't know a whole lot about. And by also doing that, he made Odell look bad. Because in the NFL, for people that don't understand, is if you get an injury that's significant enough to get an X-ray or an MRI, your agent will typically get that MRI or X-ray And then they're going to send that to their own doctors that's independent. uh, And this is all outlined in the CBA. And this is specific so that you don't have any situations where the team is maybe looking out for their own best interest, but not the player's best interest. So for instance, like when I would hurt my knee or I would always send it to the knee doctor that my agent trusted. When I hurt my back, there was a doctor in California that would go and look at the MRI Mm -hmm. and then he'd talk with me. And then, they make the final decision on when you get surgery or how you get surgery. Yeah, they can talk to the the team's doctors and the team's medical staff, and they could advise them. But in the end, it's up to the player, the agent, and the independent outside doctor to decide what you want to do. And so by Baker saying that Odell should have had surgery and it's the medical team's fault of the Browns for not having him have surgery, that also kind of reflects bad on Odell, his agent, and whatever the doctor is that they sent the MRI to or that the specialist that he went to go talk to because in the end it's those guys that make the final decision on how and when you'd have surgery and I think with sports hernias it it was always a guy out of Philadelphia I don't know if he was the Eagles team doc or if he was just a guy in Philadelphia that usually looked at all those sports hernias that would meet with the players Mm -hmm. um, and that would do the surgeries and so I imagine if this is a pretty significant injury that Odell's dealing with um, that he probably met with that person out there. And so um, it's just a bad look when you have things that are in house, that are in house issues like the injuries to your teammates and decisions on surgeries. And maybe the medical staff did mess up. I don't know. I don't know anything about it. But all I know is a team that has a good winning culture is able to keep the family drama in the family, and it doesn't go outside because it's just a bad look for everybody when that team drama goes outside and becomes a media issue, especially after a game where, let's just be honest, the Browns were a much more talented team than the Bengals, but they didn't play like it throughout most of the game. Uh, I was disappointed they didn't run the ball more in the first half. Nick Chubb hardly had any yards. And if it wasn't for the great rushing attack in the second half, but the Browns might not win this game. And and I thought you pointed it out. There was two big moments down the stretch that the refs played in the Browns favor that had that not happened, we might be feeling even worse about today than we were right now after beating the Bengals by eight points, because there was that pass interference on the interception that was overturned. And then later on in the half, I think it was a long catch by Jarvis. There was a clear pick play where the, um, the inside receiver was picking for Jarvis and blocked before Jarvis had caught the football. It went to review, and they didn't overturn it, and it turned into a long game for the Browns, which was very fortunate for them. But if you don't have those two plays, we right. might be singing uh, a different tune, and those are definitely controversial from the game. So um, to to sort of have one of those games where you don't feel good walking out of it, and then your quarterback says something in to the press that just makes you feel even worse about the state of the team and the togetherness and the understanding of let's keep our – our family issues in-house you just feel even worse about it on a Monday morning
0: yeah and I, and I guess I, I, I I'm i trying to figure out like I guess he was coming to the rescue in his mind of OBJ but like you said that you could give love to your player without throwing somebody else under the bus you know what I'm saying and not that he you know and I know he came out with an apology and said like yo I wasn't trying I was trying to come to the rescue of the player but you there's just certain things you don't got to talk about you know what I'm saying? It was the Duke situation too. Like you don't have to say shit about this. Like it's it's not a prerequisite that you have to give your opinion on everything. You know, you could just say like, "Yo, he's he's fighting through injury. He hasn't been right all year. We appreciate him and the effort he's given. He's been a consummate professional, and not everybody will continue to fight through that kind of injury." Boom, done. You don't have to give detail. You don't have to. We don't need to hear about when you thought he should have had surgery. Like, come on, man. Like that's not. And no one wants to hear that from you. Just let it ride. Like, talk about the game. You got to win. That's another win that people feel like was a loss because there's more conversation outside of the wins than actually there, right? Like, you don't feel any better about this team now. You actually felt better last year than you do right now with a similar record, which is unfortunate because you won. You won a division game. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just – it's annoying, man. And even on the Odell thing, like, yo, a sports hernia for a wide receiver – there's not a step that you take where you don't feel that. Like, it's one of the, the worst and most annoying things because you feel like you can play, but there's all, like, you know, you're not yourself. And we've all seen Odell this year. We can tell he's not himself. He still looks like Odell, but there's certain situations where we're not seeing that, like, whoa, he doesn't have many explosive plays. Well, that's why. The dude's got a sports hernia. That's not, it's not something small. It's not something like, oh, yeah, it's, it's fine. It's a sprained, you know, wrist. No, it's not that. It's, it's a big deal. So the fact that he's played through that is a big deal. And again, we've talked about it here. I don't know if this is the right – I don't know if Odell stays here for the long term. I don't think a lot of these players will be here for the long term, right? And I don't know. It's, it's a bunch of stuff like that, man. But they got the W, which is a good thing, and they play the Bengals again in Cincinnati. Like I just want them for for the, for the purposes of the Cleveland Browns to have a week where you don't have so many of these stupid-ass headlines. All you have to do by doing that is to shut up. Here's what I would love to see, Hawk, in Baker's third year. I would love
1: to see a significant amount of maturation that goes on after the season between year two and year three. Um, When you get asked a question after the game about Odell's injury, he had a great opportunity to lift his teammate up to say, you know what, playing receiver in the NFL is hard enough having to deal with an injury and you don't even have to get into specifics but having to deal with an injury that every step you take hurts you just speaks to the toughness and the resolve that he has and how much he loves being a Cleveland Brown and how much he wants to be out there and fight for his teammates and help his teammates win so credit to him for battling through that all season but instead of taking that approach he takes the counter approach where he kind of says well yeah he should have had surgery earlier which kind of makes him look bad kind of makes uh, Odell look bad definitely makes the medical staff look bad and then everybody's wondering like why is it your place to comment on some other player's injury and when they should have had surgery you're not the doctor right. um, and so I think it's just recognizing those situations when you're in them because being a great quarterback in the NFL it's more about it's more than just making the right decisions and the right throws on the field it's a 24-7 job yeah. just like it is when you're a head coach in the NFL. It's about how you act, how you carry yourself, because you're representing the organization with everything you do. And part of that organization is the medical staff. Part of that organization is the ownership, the GM, and all the players. Like, when you're the quarterback, you are unquestionably the face of the organization, and you need to do whatever you can to lift them up. Now, if you have problems, you can go handle it behind the scenes with people, and that's the right way to do it. When you're a leader of an organization, you're the CEO. But what you don't want to do is put it on blast and just – bring up more
0: drama that these guys have to deal with now this year and this week. Exactly. Exactly. All right, what do we got next, John?
4: We're going to call Adam Lefko on the Tomahawk line. Got
0: Adam Lefko in the building. Let's give him a call.
2: Hello? Hello?
4: Hello? Hello. You've reached the Tomahawk
1: line.
0: Now joining us on the Tomahawk line, our homie, friend, I don't know if this is technically – his first appearance on the on the Tomahawk show because yes, it's his first appearance on the show, but we've also done kind of a home in a way because we've been on uh the the former Sims and Lefko podcast. But we got Adam Lefko of Bleach Report joining us here, finally long overdue. How you doing today, brother?
3: This is an honor. I am with two absolute stars right now and I love the catchphrase game. Yes. This is a great start to my week and I appreciate
1: it. (laughs) I love it.
0: That's fantastic. You're not the only one that loves the catchphrase game. We've already established you are definitely joining in. Well, like that's how my career got started. Oh, really?
3: Like I'm not even (laughs) I'm not even kidding. Yeah, because so I was a local news anchor in Louisville, Kentucky, and I was like, I'm so tired of doing this job. And my friends used to be like, yo, when you go on TV, say happy birthday to Tiffany. And I said, okay, because I was just so fed up. So, like, I'd be like, Drew Brees drops back to Michael Thomas, happy birthday, Tiffany, touchdown, (laughs) And they would, like, they would show me videos of them cracking up. So then I went on Twitter, and I did, like, rap references and Seinfeld references and wrestling, and that's how I got a job at Bleacher Report. So, like... Catchphrase is my my jam,
0: man. Oh man, how about that? So you are just an OG with the catchphrase game. So I I am honored to have you participate. And I know you didn't exactly confirm that you're doing that, but I'm gonna do it for you. You're definitely <laughs> in the catchphrase game. We'll get to that in a little bit. But first let's start off with some of your videos that you do for Bleach Report. Now you uh you've been pulling a lot of pranks lately, Adam. You pranked uh Jason Kelsey with uh with help from Travis. Uh, uh, an OG Tomahawk member. You prank Chris Sims on set. What's the best prank you've ever pulled?
3: Man, those were good. I'll be honest. I have never been the elaborate big pranker, but I did have calling cards. So, like, I would go to, like, my friends' houses, and, you know, when I was, like, growing up, and, you know how, like, there's a sink and there's a like little pull-out hose that you can, like, wash dishes with? I would always carry rubber bands and and uh put it over the handle so that when you turned on your sink it would <laughs> spray you in the chest and i was really big into the uh saran wrap over the toilet bowl but below the oh. Toilet seat.
0: oh goodness I, love that that was,
3: I got my mom with that a lot
0: wow that is
3: disrespectful <laughs> oh <my
0: God. laughs> joe have you ever got a, pr- a prank job. pulled on you what's the best prank ever pulled on you joe Boy, in college, we used
1: to hit each other with the, uh, the saran wrap over the toilet. That was a good one. But yeah. uh, one that we did to my buddy, which was really fun, and uh, we got to enjoy it the entire semester, is as everybody knows when you're in college, you don't have a lot of money, and so you kind of scrape by with what you have. And he was the backup punter on the team. He was a walk-on kid. And so what he did is he went to Costco at the beginning of the semester, and he bought like a, a flat of 100 soup cans, all different varieties, and it has the paper label on it, you know. And so he put in one whole cabinet all these soup cans, in, and that's what he was going to eat the whole semester, you know, to be able to make ends meet. Uh, he was an out-of-town kid, so he was paying out-of-town tuition. So he didn't have money for food, and so we went in there one day, and we ripped all the labels off of every single one of those soup cans. So then the rest of the semester, every time he was going in there and he was looking for some chicken noodle soup, he didn't Man. know if he was getting chili. He didn't know if he was getting uh, pot roast, vegetable soup. It was just a nice little uh, smorgasbord, and it was, it was subtle, but it was enough that we got a reoccurring laugh out of it and uh he by the end of the semester wasn't really happy with us
0: the nerdiest (laughs) wisconsin prank i've ever heard in my life Left go, definitely nerdy but
1: uh, we definitely enjoyed it yeah man you
0: gotta love it i was
3: like i was like bro that's the most joe thomas story ever (laughs) it was effective it was effective but at the same time like i'm imagining opening up wanting chicken noodle soup and getting like canned fruit and that is funny (laughs) the
4: way joe told it was yeah
0: and then you can't <laughs> you can't reopen others because then that hurts the whole monetary efficiency thing. All right, yeah, so you're, you're done. Here, here's my right. my best prank. We're well, not even a best prank. It's more of a, a phase. When I was with the Bengals, you know, probably in 2012 ish, me and AJ Green got into this prank phase, and it started off Ooh. we were pranking other people, and then it started just him picking on me, and in like in like a two week span, he taped my locker shut so like i got in there and there was tape covering my entire locker like he had to spend like 30 minutes doing it and then i went out to my car and he saran wrapped my entire car shut so like underneath underneath and wrapped around the car multiple times where you couldn't even see my vehicle anymore i couldn't get to my doors took me forever to get that off and then it ended because in a game (laughs) that weekend he hid my helmet on third down And I missed the third down play. We did convert it. And that's when it got out of hand. And there was like an intervention like, hey, okay, you guys are going too far. And it's starting to affect the team. So that was (laughs) me and AJ Green's pranking phase, man. Um, Sticking in the AFC North segues because I'm a professional. You had a pretty good right. prediction about the Baltimore Ravens, Lefko. You want to tell the of Flock what it is? Oh yeah, let's
3: talk about
0: it. Let's talk about it, man. I like I like to oh. to give props where where they're deserved. What was your what was your preseason take on the Ravens?
3: Okay. I said that the Ravens would not only win the AFC North. Let's remember Juju was healthy, Big Ben was healthy, the Browns were a Super Bowl contender. Mm-hmm. I said not only would they win the North They would get the number one seed in the AFC. Mm. And the number of reasons that I broke it down was this. They have had a good offensive line for the last few years, and these guys were blossoming. I needed protection for the quarterback. It has been proven that there is a monster jump for for most quarterbacks between years one and years two. It's just it happens all the time. Their winning percentage jumps up. I love their defense. I loved Wink Martindale, and I thought that they were zigging when everybody else zagged that they were loading up on big offensive linemen and four tight ends, and they were gonna run the football uh, the year after Sean McVay had everybody thinking about 11 personnel and passing the block. Mm. And Lamar has exceeded my expectations. I mean, it, he's been absolutely incredible, and getting Mark Ingram and the identity that him and Gus Edwards bring, I just, it's, it. I'm so happy for them because so many people were ready to jump. I mean, they booed Lamar Jackson in the playoffs last year. Yeah. They wanted Joe Flacco to play. And for him to do this and look like the MVP, and it's John Harbaugh who he was going to get fired last year. I just yeah. love this team, and I love this story.
1: Well, I think you're, you hit the nail on the head right now. Lamar Jackson seems to be the most likable player in the NFL. Hawk, and I have talked about this on the podcast a few times. You just love his perspective how he approaches the game, his professionalism, how much his teammates enjoy playing with him. And he's fun to watch. I mean, he's one of those true young stars in the NFL where everybody can love. It doesn't matter who you are. But the thing that I like the most about Lamar Jackson is that shirt that he wears in postgame. Have you guys seen that? And it's been something that people have talked about a little bit. It just says, nobody cares, work harder. And, that was I'm not going to say that was my mantra when I played, but a lot of the good players that I played with in college and then my first years in the NFL, that was kind of like our running joke where you'd say, hey, how are you? And before they could answer, you'd say, nobody cares. Just go back to work. <laughs> and yeah. it was like that mentality that was like built into us. And at first, when you come from like – the softness of Brookfield, Wisconsin in high school and you get to college and all of a sudden somebody's like, Hey, how are you? And then before you could say anything, they say, nobody cares. Just go back (laughs) to work. Like it takes a while before you get over the sensitivity of it. But that's the truth of it in the NFL. Nobody cares how you feel, what your situation is, what you're crying about on a daily basis. All they care about is, are you going to win the game? on Sunday. And how do you win the game on Sunday? You go to work each and every day during the week. And so I just love the perspective that a guy who's only in his second year in the NFL
0: has on the job of playing in the NFL and his professionalism. I mean, it's funny because he's actually an old school kind of player like in his mentality and his approach and the things you watch him do, and but he's such a new school, you know, talent, right? So it's like he's like the perfect mix of the two, which is why I think everybody has over the course of the season gravitated to him. My favorite thing that he does when I'm watching television is, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a rip of this, so don't steal it, Leftco, and go do oh, it. At you Ble- watch television. I don't do it at Bleacher Report, Lefko. But if you watch the games, he runs anytime his offensive lineman is on the ground. He helps them up. Like he runs to them and helps them off the ground every nice. single time. So if you looked at all his nationally televised games, or even all of his games, period, you could probably have a, a 30-plus play highlight of him helping his offensive lineman off the ground. And that is like the perfect illustration of the person he is. Coming into the season, I was a Lamar fan. Joe wasn't. You know, I was in it. I was like yeah. all on board. But I seen Lefko's prediction on the on the intranets, and I was like, hmm, this guy is drunk, all right? It's, uh, <laughs> I, like, <laughs> I like Lamar as much as the next guy, but Lefko won't be working in this business very long. So kudos to you, man. You clearly know more than any of us do. Unlike Hawk, I own my bad takes. And I realized that
1: uh, my Lamar Jackson's not going to be a great NFL quarterback was a bad take. I'm, <laughs> I'm willing to admit that now. Uh, but it's funny that you said that you like that he helps his offensive lineman up. My last like three or four years in the NFL, I was so banged up that I couldn't have somebody help me up. Like I, my knees and my back were so messed up that I actually physically could not get up that way. I had to be like a turtle where you had to flip me over, and I had to do like a push-up to get to my knees, kind of like an old man who's got a back injury. And then I put one arm on my thigh, and then I could get up to one leg, and then I could get up to the other. So if Lamar Jackson was my teammate, I'm just saying it probably wouldn't have worked out because uh, I could not get up off of my back when uh, I was at the end of my career. And there's actually – it's funny, uh, in NFL films, they got a video of me where Mitchell Schwartz is trying to help me up, And I say, no, no, no. And I waved him off. I said, I can't get up that way. And they got me mic'd up, rolling over and doing the turtle push up to get myself off the ground. So uh, I guess Lamar Jackson never would have worked with me as his quarterback.
3: Can I have one more thing about Lamar? I think um, during the draft, if you remember, there were these, a lot of people were worried. That his mom was going to be his agent and -hmm. his friend was going to be his trainer, and he wasn't that great when he was talking to teams. And the thing is, is like we look at it now just through a different lens. This is a kid that grew up in Miami in a really tough area. This is a kid that wanted people around him that were close and loyal to him. He got lucky enough to get to a situation where they could build around him purely. You know, this isn't like we're throwing Ryan Finley in in Cincinnati, or we're trying out these these Brandon Allen in Denver. Like, this was built around him. But all those things that were Knox, how relatable he is, how down-to-earth he is. I mean, I'm watching Baker Mayfield try to stand up for a a teammate yesterday, and he throws the medical staff under the bus because, he, in my opinion, he's putting on. He's trying to be the leader. But the thing with Lamar is, I go back to that great video of John Harbaugh when he came up to him on the bench and he said, "We love you, and you're amazing." And what's funny is, is John was acting like the camera was there. Lamar's answers were, "Yeah, that's what I do. I want to win the game. This is <laughs> none of this is fake. None of this is processing. We we, we celebrate the Kawhi Leonard's in the NBA." because of how focused they are and how they don't even want to laugh at anything like this. <laughs> Lamar kind of has that mentality. And when you have that, the team sees off of that. And the, when he fumbled against the Niners and the whole team was coming up to him, be like, we got you, we got you. And, and picking up offensive linemen, it's a next-level leader, and it's just funny compared to what we thought he was going to be like coming out of the draft and what the knocks were.
0: No, you're you're exactly right, man. And, and I mean, even coming out of the draft, when you talked about his mom as an agent, I remember being on you know NFL Live, and and the the, the discussion was teams are having trouble getting a hold of him. I'm like in the in the year 2018, you mean mm-hmm. to tell me with Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, social media, cell phones, they can't get a, that's that's BS, man. And I mean, the whole narrative. I'm so happy for him just because everyone who thinks that they know everything and it's a way to kind of prevent someone from getting the opportunities that he's got and for him to 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 make what he's made of him i mean it's going to be a it's going to be a disney movie one day and we're going to be like yeah i remember when that happened and they're probably not even doing the amount of hate the guy was getting justice because there's a lot of guys that are aren't like joe that are like yo i was wrong everyone's changed their story and they've acted like oh yeah nobody was being that hard on him I couldn't find people in the media yeah, who said Lamar Jackson was the best quarterback with the exception of Chris Sims, to be quite honest, right? Like He was the one, man. That's
2: he it. He was. That's it.
3: Like, honestly, like, look, I think that there are certain people in the media that are good at evaluating certain positions. And just because I don't work with the guy anymore doesn't mean I can't applaud him because he's still one of my good friends. Right. But if you look at Sims' track record over the last five years, he's been right about every quarterback class. He was right that Wentz was better than Goff. He was right that Lamar Jackson was going to be the guy. You know, he was right on the guys that were going to make it, and he did like Drew Locke the most in this draft. Mm. So just, like, he, there are certain positions he cannot evaluate. I don't think he's a great oh, – I shouldn't say that. I don't think he's a great evaluator of offensive tackles. I think he's he's <laughs> been hit or miss. Uh, but he's really good at finding wide receivers. So, yeah. like – certain people can scout things certain ways, and Sims on quarterbacks is, like, the only dude I trust. And I'm not just saying that because I worked with him.
0: Right. No, I get well, I think it,
1: think you, you actually hit on something that's really true right now, is offensive linemen are about the hardest position to evaluate right now because oh, geez, you don't same. see many pro-style offenses. But on the flip side, quarterback seems to be a position that's easier to evaluate now because of the advent of the dual-threat quarterback in the NFL and a lot of the college concepts that have matriculated up into the NFL. And so you're seeing a lot of carryover. But, you know, I I went to the Combine last year for NFL Network, and we were doing the the on-the-field stuff. And, I mean, I feel like I could probably look at an offensive lineman and have as good of uh, analysis as anybody else. But it's so hard these days because these guys aren't using the same techniques as you use in the NFL. So it's almost like looking at a kid in high school and trying to figure out what he would be in college because you're just having to extrapolate on what you're seeing and just you're just guessing. Can he do the things he's going to be asked at the NFL level? Because we just don't see any of that on film right now. And so it'll be interesting to watch that. I think that's why you're seeing – Part of the decline in offensive line talent in the NFL.
0: Yeah, no, you guys hit it on the head, man. All right, we're gonna we're gonna transition here because we know Lefko, you're you're a big football better, right? Yes, big All time, right, big time. Let's let's get into a game of over under. All right, producer's gonna read some questions, and the three of us are gonna give the over or under if we think this is gonna happen. All right, go ahead, John, kick us off. Speaking
4: of Lamar Jackson, over under one point five career MVP awards for Lamar Jackson. Hawk, start it off.
0: I'm going to say over, more than 1.5 MVP. He's going to win the MVP this year, and he's going to do it again in the next four years. So uh, who's next? Joe, what do you got? I know what Joe's going to say, but Joe, over or under
1: 1.5? You know what? I'm going to say over. It's really hard to win an NFL MVP because of, obviously, the greatness that is in the NFL and the fact that you have to have a good team to go along with outstanding elite performance Um, But Lamar is going to win it this year. He's already got it wrapped up, in my opinion, uh, unless something crazy happens in the last few weeks of the season. And then I got to think throughout the rest of his career, he's going to probably win it again as long as he's able to stay healthy. And so that puts you at two right there. Uh, So I got to take you over. What do you got, Lepko? I'm going to
3: be a little counter. I'm going under. Mm. Uh, He is going to win the MVP this year. I went back and looked at like the last thirty years of like MVPs, and a lot of these guys win back to back or with one year in between. So like Montana, Young, Favre, and then this last twenty years of Peyton and Brady, where they were doing it. Aaron Rodgers is like the only one that won two. Lamar would have to win in my mind to get this over two in the next three years, mm-hmm. and for me to be in a league with Mahomes, Watson, Russell Wilson. Uh, and the host of other people, like other quarterbacks, but mainly those three. Um, it, I just think that when his new contract comes in two three years, he's then going to enter the window where the talent around him declines. So I'm I'm going under, but say if he is going to be over, I think he would maybe finish at two.
0: Here's 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 my take for why it's going to be over because he's going to have his Cam Newton year probably within the next three years, meaning. Last year, we've seen him just strictly run the football because he's getting comfortable, and you're going to do what you feel comfortable with whenever you're in a situation that you're, you're unsure about. Now, this year, we've seen him develop, kind of complete his game a little bit, but it's only year two. I think there's going to be a season where Lamar shocks us with his arm that has everybody like, yo, this guy is the MVP, only because they're going to see him in a way that they haven't seen him yet. Like It's kind of like this year. like They've never seen this before. So next year, it's not going to be as sexy, especially when another quarterback also has incredible numbers or Russell Wilson does what he does again. When he has a year where he's throwing the football all over the place, and I think that he will have that, that's when I think people are going to be like, yo, he gets the MVP again because they'll view it as him reinventing himself. All right, what's the next one we got, John?
4: Over under 12 months before Tom Brady plays his last game as a New England Patriot, Joe, get it started.
1: This is under, and this is one of the themes that I've been talking about for the last year, kind of looking at the writing on the wall. I believe the reason you've seen so much passion, so much urgency from Tom Brady this year is because he believes this is his last season in the NFL. He's got a lot of things going on in his family. I think he wants to settle down a little bit away from the football games, spend more time with his family. I think the obsession that he's had as a football player has taken up all of his life and he's ready to step down and I think he's seen what's happened with Adam Vinatieri where he's kind of slid at the end of his career here in this season specifically and I don't think Tom wants to be out there where people are constantly questioning if he can do it anymore and he starts questioning himself which is already starting to happen a little bit this season he sold his house his trainer sold his house I think he doesn't have a contract next year and so you start putting all these things together and I start thinking like I assume he's thinking where he wants to go out where he still feels like he's performing at his best. There's really nothing left left to prove. He's on a team right now that uh, is not looking so good, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And it can only get worse from here. And I don't think he wants to start his uh, second part of his career in his 40s in a different city. He just wants to finish in New England. So I think he's done after this year. What do you got, left? Go. I'm going to go...
3: Yeah, I'm going to go under as well, mainly because I'm looking at all the off-field stuff. The selling of the houses, the fact that uh, Giselle was apparently down in New York looking at schools last week. I don't know where he would go, is the question. Uh, The most interesting one that I heard on a recent Patriots-focused podcast, I don't remember the podcast, so I apologize, was the Chargers and the notion that maybe McDaniels goes with him. So that was That was just like a theory I thought was interesting. But this question also revolves around the fact that the Patriots don't win the Super Bowl. And if the Patriots somehow turn this around and win, which they're very capable of doing, if Nikhil Harry keeps making plays like that and and somebody could present themselves as a weapon, if they win, I think Tom stays. But if Mm. this season kind of ends short of that, then I would definitely take the under.
0: Mm. Okay, I'm going to go under as well. And, and I predicted last year that he and Gronk would retire after the, the 2018 season and right up to the sunset. I'm not so sure that Tom doesn't regret not doing that. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, just watching his body language out there, and I, and I get everyone's like, oh, they need players around him. They do. Nikhil Harry is going to be a really good wide receiver. I'm, I'm encouraged by him. I think Mo Sunu is an incredible professional. Um, I think Julian Edelman is also an incredible professional receiver. I think those two guys are above average. So when I'm watching this team, I get that they need speed down the field, but to be honest, Tom looks old. He's not, I mean, even on the trick play, he pulled the string on the touchdown to Edelman. That is not a play that the top quarterback in the league makes that way. And if you look at his out routes to the left side of the field, you're seeing receivers have to slow down and come back to the inside. And with a lot of older quarterbacks, that's what happens because you kind of lose that arm strength a little bit, and that's their version of, of of physically getting old. So I agree. I think it's under for twelve months. John, what do you got? Adams Eagles
4: are five and seven. They play my Giants tonight on Monday Night Football. After that, they go Washington, Dallas, and New York. Left with five wins and four games left. Over under. 8.5 wins for the Philadelphia Eagles. Adam started off.
3: Oh, I would be happy to. I just want to state for the record that I turned down tickets to tonight's game because I am afraid of one thing happening. Eli Manning's career record is. A perfect 116 and 116. And if we make him a winning quarterback for his career and blow our opportunity, I will vomit all over myself reactionarily. Now, in terms of your question, eight and a half, really this is asking me, are they going to beat the Cowboys? Because they should sweep the Giants and they should beat Washington. And it is In Dallas, and I am going to take the over. Yeah, I'm taking it. I think the Mm. Eagles are going to run the table. Um, I I think that Jordan Howard's going to be back. Alshon is getting healthy. I think this team went through their dip of the injuries. I'm hoping Jim Schwartz stops going all-out blitzes like he did against Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, And I think the Cowboys are in free fall right now, and Jerry's going to absolutely blow it up. So I'm going to take the over.
1: Mm-hmm Joe, what do you got? Well, Mr. Leftco was pretty convincing in his arguments. I'm actually going to take the over as well. I saw Dallas on Thursday Night Football last week. And that franchise right now is an abomination. They are searching for answers. Gary Jones is taking blame. G- Jason Garrett has already been fired in the media. The players don't seem to be wanting to play hard anymore. I just don't know how they're able to put that back together. They had everything to play for last Thursday against the Bears, and they shit the bed. And I don't see how they can right the ship. And And I agree. I think Philly got their kind of shitty stretch out of the season – out of their system already that they seem to have every year. And I think they can go on a little bit of a run. And it seems like uh, this is a team that could possibly go on a little bit of run because they understand all you got to do is get in the playoffs in the NFL. Once you get in the playoffs, the records don't matter. It's not like the NBA playoffs where we already know who's going to be in the conference championship in the NFL, the, a wild card could go all the way to the Super Bowl because it's all about who's hot. And I see the Eagles going on a little bit of a string here to finish the season and win the division.
0: Well, you're both wrong. It's under. They're going to lose to the Dallas Cowboys because Dak wants his money. He's not here for the playoffs. He's not here to help save the head coach's job. He knows if he beats the Eagles, he will get his $100-plus plus million And when you have a man who has yep. one game to get $100 million, I am not going with the guy who already has his $100 million. All right, Lefko. So... Buckle up, buddy. Hey, I love that theory. I love that theory. Because, and I I hope that's how that game,
3: like I hope every pass there's like a meter that shows like Scrooge McDuck's coins (laughs) right. Because that's really what it is. Um, But it's, it is interesting because Dak has owned the Eagles, and the Cowboys have owned the Eagles. It's going to come down to who can make the plays in the big moment. How is Amari Cooper's hamstring? Is Zeke actually going to make people miss? I just think the thing that scared me the most about that Chicago game was Dallas's D-line is worn down. Yeah. For the last few years, they've had a, a solid 2-3 deep of all those guys they could rotate in, and now it's Michael Bennett – who I love as a human, but he's on his third team in a in a in a calendar year, and they just they don't have the size. And the Eagles have Fletcher Cox, and I, I think you know at this point of the year, big people win football games,
1: and that's kind of why I'm leaning Eagles.
3: But I love well, Eagles Zach playing for his oh, yeah. future.
1: Yeah, the e- Eagles have one of the best defense or excuse me, offensive lines in the NFL, and that's clearly going to be an advantage. But what you're missing, Hawk, is Dak's going to probably throw for 400 yards. He's going to continue to be number one in the NFL in passing, but they're still going to get boat raced because that's what the Cowboys do. They look great on statistically on your stat sheet. They're going to throw for 350. They're going to run for 100. They're going to do all the things that make them at the top of the league in all those statistical categories, but they're going to get their ass whipped because they're going to make stupid mistakes in critical moments. They're going to be bad on third down, and they're going to do the dumb stuff that gets you beat, and that's exactly what they did against the Bears, and I don't see how Jason Garrett and this team can change that with just a few, few weeks left in the season.
2: All
0: right, well, time will tell. That's the good thing about betting. You always get an answer eventually. We got to give a big shout-out to my man Adam for coming on the Tama Hotline, joining me and Joe for the first time. First of many, committing to the catchphrase game, which we will get you our catchphrase game. The, the audience is voting on it right now, so by midweek, we will have the catchphrase, we will get it to you, and we fully expect you to say it on your broadcast. You can find Adam Lefko at Adam Leftco on Twitter, on IG, he is man of Bleacher Report, man of the Left Coast Show. And what, uh, also, what, what's your, what's the name of your, your football show where you prank everybody?
3: Oh, that's called Ditch the Playbook. Ditch and that was our, our season has finally concluded. But oh. yeah, man, like, just shout out to Kelsey and all those dudes. It's, it was fun, man.
0: I mean, some of the best content, football content, especially in the way the world is going now. Like, if you haven't seen it, I urge you to go check out all of those episodes, really all of Adam's content. My favorite one real quick fanboy is when you guys made the 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 gifts And you repeated the gifts. I I love that video. I thought that was hilarious. Oh, it was that was Williams. Yes, that was was next level. Adam, man.
3: And let let me me talk y'all up. I appreciate you guys. I appreciate the fact that you guys work. I appreciate the fact that you guys are who you are when you're on a show or if you're normal. And I appreciate good people making good stuff for the rest of the world. So I appreciate the Tomahawk podcast.
0: Much love. Appreciate it. Take care, brother. Appreciate you.
3: Oh, man. My pleasure, dude. Thanks for
2: having me
0: all right you gotta love my guy lefkoe man appreciate to finally have him on the show man dude kills it and he's gonna be back and also he's gonna join the catchphrase game as you heard all right now it is time for am i tripping but we're gonna cut that we're gonna do an audible here because we are running long and me and joe talk way too much so no am i tripping today for everyone looking forward we're gonna go right into run pass option Run
4: it or
0: pass it. Run it. Run, run 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 pass option.
4: Lamar Jackson bests bills in Buffalo. Hawk, run it or pass it.
0: Uh run it. Yes. We talked about it with Lefko. Lamar Jackson is the MVP, not even close. And honestly, I don't know if he can do anything the rest of the year that changes that. Because he has changed the game of football. And kudos to the Ravens for him being able to do that. He's just a likable dude that you love to root for that you can't stop. And if I see another one of those highlight plays where he makes a professional athlete, a NFL football player, look like a toddler, I might blow my lid off. And I don't mean in the literal sense of blowing my own head off. I mean, like, I'm going to pop my top. But I don't know if that makes it any better. Anyway, that's done. (laughs) At the buzzer. There it is. Hawk
1: blows his lid. Joe, run it or pass it? I'm going to run it. Lamar Jackson continues to be the most likable quarterback and player in the NFL. Uh, he's going to be the NFL MVP this season. And he beat my Buffalo Bills, the sleeper team that I had with Josh Allen uh, this year. They're still going to make the playoffs, in my opinion. They've got a chance to make a run because they're a very solid all-around football team. Josh Allen's playing really well. But Lamar Jackson continues to impress and continues to make fans all across the country. And I hate hearing all about it because it's to my brownies' detriment. The <laughs> AFC North is going to be Lamar Jackson's for a little while now.
4: Steelers, now 8-5 and five after road win in Arizona. Joe, run it or pass it.
1: I'm going to run it. Steelers, 8-5, and five, unbelievably. Duck Hodges, got to give him a lot of credit. He's playing great football. A guy that is named Duck, which is absolutely <laughs> the worst name possible for an NFL quarterback. He's winning. Mike Tomlin's doing it, the old-school approach with defense and smart football. He potentially will be... The NFL Coach of the Year, and I think right now he's got my vote. Great job! Uh, it hurts another AFC North team. Good coaching, overall good play, good defense, and uh, hats off to the Steelers.
0: Mm. With time to spare, I you guys it. are getting good at this, man. We are, man. What's next, John? Hawk, runner to pass it. I'm gonna pass it. Joe, Joe summed it up perfectly.
4: Great Buccaneers complete comeback against Colts. Hawk, runner to
0: pass it. I'm gonna run it. I don't get Jameis Winston. For every four touchdowns he throws, he throws four or five interceptions. For every, it's like literally back and forth. And he is good. He has a short-term memory. It makes him good, but it also makes him terrible. Like, hey, you're leading. You don't need to take this chance. Boom, pick six. Make it an interesting game. I don't know what the Buccaneers do. I don't know how he hasn't been benched yet. Yes, he's a good quarterback. Yes, he leads the league in maybe pass yards and maybe even touchdown passes. But he also has thrown like 23-plus interceptions, and he leads the league in turnovers since he's been in the league. I'm perplexed. I don't have a take here. I genuinely don't know. That's it.
4: I'm going to use Hawks extra time to let the audience know that someday they're going to make a Jameis Winston 30 for 30 about this dude losing to the Giants, beating the Rams, hanging up 55 in L.A., losing three in a row, and then I think winning four in a row. This has been an incredible season. Joe, Buccaneers, Colts, run it or pass it? Pass. Falcons, thump Panthers 40 to 20. Joe, run it or pass it? I'm going to run this one.
1: Firing coaches in season does nothing but make you feel better if you hate your coach. That's my take. I think it's since 1962, there has only been one team that has had two different coaches during the season and that have made the playoffs. There's almost nothing that you can get from a benefit standpoint to fire your coach in season. This was a conversation we had after the Cowboys game on should the Cowboys fire Jason Garrett to see if they can salvage their season make the playoffs and go on a run it just doesn't happen there's nothing you can do because the culture and the direction of a team is set through the offseason and through training camp by the time you're here late in the season there's nothing that you can change that can make that much of a difference so nobody's shocked right there
4: this is one of my favorite joe thomas takes ever if you're listening out there nfl gms don't fire your coach in season it doesn't work hawk last run for you Broncos lock up big win against Texans run it or pass it
0: I'm gonna run it because the Texans linebackers have been doing this thing but they dressed up in costumes before each game entering the stadium right they want to get attention you get attention they dressed up as a SWAT team once they dressed up um I forget what the one before that was but this one they dressed up as the, the movie dodgeball even had one of the players in a wheelchair well you've learned at a very young age you don't joke around hmm. by putting somebody in a wheelchair. You don't joke around with crutches. It's bad omen. Right? So I had the Texans picked. As soon as I seen it on, on my show, I said, you know what? I'm actually going with the Broncos. Because now they're not... That's the definition of not focused. And you're going to get your butts kicked. And of course, you can dodge a ball, but you can't dodge a lock. <laughs> they got their asses kicked by Drew Locke. And they deserved every minute of it. <laughs> Off the heels of beating the New England Patriots. You get what you deserve. All right, listen, we are running long, so let's save the catchphrase game for the midweek show. Um, We actually ran all of our runs early on. We got like five other ones to do, but we are good. So I think that does it for this episode of the Tomahawk. Joe, what are your final thoughts? Final
1: thoughts is it's going to be a great week in New York. I'm very excited uh, getting inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame, getting to see a lot of great guys that – i was able to play against in the nfl not so much in college but uh it should be a really cool night and next year i'll be there for hawks induction
0: very excited about that one there you go mark your calendars brother because I'm, I'm buying the flights this weekend congrats on the hall of fame into college football that is an incredible feat man that not many of us will get except me when i do it next year have a blast man <laughs> uh that does it for this episode of the tomahawk show we will let adam Lefko take us out
3: joe hawk yourself